before we get into this episode of the Grizzden Pod, I wanted to direct you to grizzden.com where we just launched a brand new collection based on Jean Morant's dunk in the Spurs game the other night. It's the Air Jaw Collection. You got to go to grizzden.com and check it out. It might remind you of an iconic logo. Um, it is just incredible. We've got hoodies, shirts, hats, polos, anything you'd want. So check out grizzden.com and enjoy the episode. Welcome to another edition of the Grizzden Podcast. It has been a minute since we've been with you and too long. Welcome, Ty. Thank you. Hey, Brantley. <coughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. If you know, you Sorry. know. Sorry. If you know, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. we. It's been a while since we've all been in the same room to talk about the Grizzlies. And it's great to be back because right now the Grizzlies are, I would say, doing very well to put yes. it lightly. Um, we are recording this on March 9th. Only be doing one spot better. Yes, exactly. They are the second seed <laughs> in the West, the Grizzlies are, uh, as of right now, recording. This is, uh, like I said, March 9th. This could change, uh, you know, the time that you're listening to this. Also, it could second be different. best record in the entire NBA as well. Yeah, so the Grizzlies are wild. doing well. They're 45-22, and 22, which is good for second in the West in the league. They're eight games back right now uh, from the first seed in Phoenix, and they're half game up on Golden State. Just to give you some reference on uh, how the Grizzlies are doing in terms of just offense and defense. They're fifth in offense right now, eighth in defense, sixth in net rating, um, which is pretty darn good. And a lot of that has to do with John ja Morant, a lot of other things. Uh, and we're going to talk about Ja, of course, but we're also going to talk about the rest of this season and what we're basically in the fourth quarter, I would say, of this regular season. There's a lot of things to consider as we move into uh, playoff time, which is, you know, what seed do we want? Who could we play? What players will play a factor in our playoff rotation? Uh, how we feel about opponents, how we feel about our own team, uh, and some other implications. So, I guess, where should we start? I know we were talking pre-pod about uh, the the pick situation with the Lakers. And I think yeah. that might be a good place to start um, because that could have a lot of implications for not only the rest of this season in regards to the Lakers season, the Pelicans, and us, but and it's kind of the, the remaining big storyline that's not specific to just like play and playoffs. Absolutely, stuff for so, the Grizzlies specifically. Yeah, so I think it makes sense to sort of talk through it um, and give everybody a heads up. So if you aren't following the Grizzlies religiously in terms of all of the you know pick situation, salary cap, all that jazz, basically what happened last season. When the Grizzlies acquired Steven Adams in the Jonas Valanciunas trade, the uh, Pelicans sent along a protected pick. And essentially, it was the Lakers pick, but there was a protection on it, which was a top 10 protection. What that means is, if the pick falls anywhere in the top 10, the Pelicans keep that pick. However... If it's outside of the top 10, so 11 to 30, then the Grizzlies get the pick. And why that is important is because before the season started, the Lakers were not supposed to be this bad. However, they right now are the 11th worst team in the league in terms of record. So uh, the top, the, sorry, the bottom 14 teams are in the lottery. And if the Lakers end up not making the playoffs, which means they're probably going to be in the play-in tournament, and they have to make it out of that play-in tournament 
for either the seventh or the eighth seed. And if they don't make it out of that, they're in the, the lottery, which means there's a chance that pick could, could fall in the top 10 and the Grizzlies would completely miss out on it. Yeah. Is the, the play-in doesn't count towards draft lottery odds, though. It's regular season record, correct? Well, if the... Uh, like wherever you finish after the regular season ends... I, the way the I understand it is have. if you make the playoffs, then you now are not in the so lottery. So you trade spot Like if, if they're the nine seed and they beat the eight seed, technically they would like trade spots in the draft lottery. That's the way I understand okay. it. I could be wrong on that. I'm but I haven't actually I don't considered that. That's a great question. It's just an interesting thing because regular season you would finish one way, but then because the play-in you technically finish – a different way, and like, what does the draft lottery take into account? Well, uh, welcome to the Grizzden podcast where we have all the answers. Uh, <laughs> but I don't essentially, really know. if they fall into the lottery, meaning like they don't make the lake, if the Lakers <clears throat> lose in the play-in round, they're going to make the play-in. Essentially, I mean, it'd there's be, it'd be really tough for them to not make the play-in. I don't think. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked. So let's say they lose in their play-in game and they're done and not in the in the playoffs then the lottery decides our fate for this pick, essentially. Yes. If they make the playoffs, right. then we're going to get a first, another first-round pick and another one. So here's right? the yes, here's the weird part about all of this, too. We are not used to cheering for the Lakers, <laughs> but we need to cheer for the Lakers because we it's need the them to win as much as possible. And they're trying to lose uh, by playing Russell Westbrook, and so we need to cheer Ooh. for them to maybe bench Russell Westbrook or play him as little amount as possible. And the other hard part about this whole thing is they have the they're first in strength of schedule remaining. They have the hardest schedule in the NBA moving forward. And the so. other thing we were talking about pre-pod, so like if it does happen to fall top 10 and the Pelicans get it, then we don't have another like Lakers pick due, owed to us. The Pelicans the all of a sudden are holding a top 10 pick. That's right. Quick note here, if the pick falls in the top 10, the Pelicans will be sending the Grizzlies Cleveland's 2022 second as well as their own second from 2025. So we'll still get something, but the Pelicans do keep that top 10 pick. So, um, two of them. Something to be monitoring. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Pelicans, it's going to be interesting too because they're surging now. Obviously, the Grizzlies took them to school last night, but... They're winning games that they're not expected to win, at least recently. And so that could be a very interesting factor moving forward. Um, but let's let's now move into the Grizzlies conversation. We actually hadn't spoken since the trade deadline. I had a, an interview with Matt Herdlick about uh, what the Grizzlies should or shouldn't do. We were both sort of on the same page in this podcast. We The three of us talked about how you know, why would you want to mess with a core that's doing, you know, that's performing so well this season so far and shake that up in terms of a trade? And thankfully, the Grizzlies listened to the podcast, I would say, because they didn't do anything. Um, and there were some, there were still some major trades, obviously, James Harden, um, DeMontis Sabonis, and Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Porzingis, a lot of big names moving around. The Grizzlies stayed pat, um, and they're betting on themselves. What did y'all think about the trade deadline uh, and not doing anything? What was your reaction there? I think not only did we not do anything, but Phoenix and Golden State also didn't do anything, which I thought was kind of just as interesting. Um, especially if you look at Golden State. They have Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, basically most of their first-round picks moving forward, like, they definitely could have, like, went all in for right now and didn't. Which, basically all that points to is, like, maybe it's a little bit more wide open than it would than it could have been. Um, Phoenix probably, I mean, they're obviously the best in the league by, like, eight games, so they're probably not going to make a move anyway. Um, but, yeah, I like what we did. It wasn't – we didn't make, like, a rash decision to, like, let's try to win now necessarily or try to increase our odds for winning this year. But we also didn't, like, take on money to kind of get, like, a smaller asset either, right? So it seems like we're kind of in the middle ground of 
technically, yeah, we're still rebuilding, but not to the point where it like handicaps us moving forward, right? Like we're not willing to handicap our future for like maybe a potential asset like we would have been the last few years, but we're also not in a position to go try to overpay for someone who may give us, you know, a better chance this year, maybe next year either. So it seems like we're very comfortable where we are currently. Yeah, I mean, the only move that I was expecting them to make would be to move on from Jarrett Culver um, and get whatever asset they could. And obviously there was nothing out there. I feel like this front office tries to squeeze everything out of every uh, asset they have, and there was nothing out there for Culver, um, which is why we probably stood pat with him. And I don't expect him to play uh, in the postseason at all. Um, He's probably just going to roll off our books. So that'll be interesting. I did look up the answer, by the way, to the play in tournament question, and it is what we were saying. If you make, if you're a ten seed, but you make, you win both the games, you're out of the draft lottery. Um, similarly, if you're the seventh seed and you lose two games, you're in the draft lottery. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. As far as you know, moving forward to after the trade deadline, we had All Star Weekend. Ja Morant played a big part in that. Less, I mean, technically Desmond Bain had the most minutes <laughs> in an all-star <laughs> weekend event, or events, I should say. Uh, what did y'all think about just like the whole all-star weekend as a whole in terms of Ja's participation and what it meant for the Grizzlies? It was cool that he was there. He seemed to me just sort of checked out a little bit, which I, it was, I didn't really think there was a way to be in the middle, um, even though he still had some awesome highlights, um, which I, you know, that's not the primary thing that we we're worried about this season. But it was cool that he was there. Y'all have some, any angst about him not being in the uh, closing lineup? No, and honestly, like if you were to give me the option of whether he was like really into it the whole time, like all this kind of stuff, or just like not interested, I'd probably rather pick the not interested version. Cause it's just so cool. <laughs> Cause he's like, I know I, I I know I belong. I'm just as good as anyone else. I'm cool. I'm gonna chill. I'm getting ready for the second half of the season, second third of the season, or whatever. Yeah, Ja just goes against the grain all the time, man. All the time, it's and so I'm great. like so here for it. Me too. <laughs> he uh seemed like if you were watching him on Instagram, he was probably focused on getting to Miami. I don't know if y'all ever saw his Instagram hey lives yo. during that weekend. He looked like he was having a lot and of fun. And he was like cheering on Bane With during Casamigos. like Bane's thing. Oh, yeah. I don't I understand how they haven't secured a Ja Casamigos. Jossamigos. I mean, there it is. Clooney. You're welcome. They, Casamigos is not struggling in the sales department. Clooney's got to get on there. <laughs> That's very true. Okay, let's um, open up the floor then because, I mean, there's a lot of implications now for the rest of the season. Expectations, I, I would say, are sky high for the Grizzlies. Let's start here. Let's start big picture. Can the Grizzlies win the NBA Finals this year? I'll say it. I'll say it first, Tubbs. You're struggling over there. He's been holding his breath. Can they? Or, yes. This year. Yes, they they can. I'm going to say no, they can't. Really? Okay, let's argue. Explain. Go no. Well, well, I guess okay, both of like, you What are explain. the odds y'all would give them to win the title? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking odds. We didn't. That wasn't the question. The question was, can they? I think a lot of things, if, if that were to happen, a lot, a lot of things would have to break right. I think Chris Paul would essentially have to be, like, done for the season. And the likelihood of that happening is not crazy. Maybe it's not. Non-zero chance. Um, I think Draymond... The Suns are actually crushing the heat right now without Chris Paul. I, I are, saw that. So. I think Draymond would have to be done. He basic. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Will I think. Um, I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree don't, with that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm just walking through the West. I You're walking through your scenario. That's yes, right. I think Ty, Murray you have for Denver would have to come back and just not. He would have to look like Clay looks now, where like every fifth game is good, but like can't. He just hadn't played in a long time. Can't consistently do it. Same thing with Michael Porter. Um, I think Luca and Denver, I think their like shots have to like just not fall because they're going to get a lot of open looks. I mean, I guess you could kind of piece it together. I'm just trying to think of like getting to the finals. And I think we would have to play really well. And I think we would have to hit a lot of shots, which if you watched the game last night, we hit everything, which was awesome. 
but that's not been the trend lately. We may get to our, I saw a little nugget Will had of our true shooting percentage. Not ideal. Not ideal. That's a good segue. I just don't think we are ready yet with the weapons that we need around jaw as we speak to get there. I don't think we have the personnel to win the finals right now. I think jaw is that good. And I think he gives us a chance to get there. I just don't know if we have everything else yet. So your question was get to the finals, not win it, right? I thought you said win. I it. said win. I I might have said get and win both in separate okay. times, but win is what I. Okay, am so asking. I don't. I wouldn't. I think that there's a legit chance we, not legit chance. I think that there's a path for us to get to the finals, and that's because of like what I think about the West right now. Uh. I think the West is more open than the East. I don't think that I would answer if we were in the East. I don't think I would answer the same way for a path to the finals that I am would say about us in the West right now. I think that we have right now we have one of the best players in the Western Conference. No, like it's Jokic and Ja and Steph in the West top. In whatever your order and would LeBron, want to be, but again, they're going. I'm to talking about playing great. To me, leading their teams, Luca, Luca's Jokic. doing really great. So you're you're right. I mean, but but it's Y'all's not like there's no super point. team, right? There's it's not like there's we're right now no, because everything else is about like oh well if AD and LeBron is healthy or if Chris Paul and you know there's that that's why the path to me is a little bit more open for the Grizzlies to get to the finals I, I'm not trying to be like over optimistic fan fanboy Brantley here but I think it like that's a that it's not even an expectation necessarily but I think the path is there I don't even know if we could ever say that about a Grizzlies team ever right and that's okay the reason why we can, because of the season that we're in, which is if Phoenix is the number one seed in the NBA, then I think it's one of the weaker years we've ever seen. In in like in terms of there's no clear super team. Phoenix is awesome. We would have very long odds if we were in a series with Phoenix. However, they're not invincible. Uh, I think that. It is very matchup dependent. I think that's why getting the two seed is so important because all of a sudden you're uh, just the difference between a two and a three. If you get a three, you're going to play Dallas or Denver. Mm. Tough. Tough. Both really of what Dallas, especially the Grizzlies, have struggled with this year. Denver terrifies. Them. Denver has is like a sleeping giant because they have the MVP on their team. In my opinion, they have. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, as Ty alluded to, who are going to potentially be coming back in time for the playoffs. And it's not an easy place to play on the road at all. Uh, So, if you get the two seed, you're looking at Minnesota, you're looking at potentially the Clippers. Very, very vulnerable teams that you could take advantage of. I think here's the reason why we have very we would not be in a great position yet to let's say be a favorite to get to the conference finals or even potentially win the finals because playoff basketball slows down. We right now lead the NBA in fast break points. We profit off of teams making mistakes, which typically the teams that make the most amount of mistakes and turnovers are the bad teams, which is great. The Grizzlies historically have not taken care of business against teams. They should have, they keep it close. This Grizzlies team, apart from some exceptions with like Houston and um, a couple of other random, Portland was another one, uh, we take care of bad teams. However, as Ty also referenced, we're right now, even though we're sixth in net rating, we're 25th in true shooting percentage. A lot of that has to do with our free throw percentage. Mm. In the playoffs, free throws are incredibly important. We're 28th free throw percentage right now and we're taking the third most in the league per game Mm. we also have the highest amount of field goals attempted per game that's not going to be an advantage anymore in the playoffs because it's going to slow down it's going to be half court basketball they're going to laser focus on John Morant he's going to make the right calls he's going to kick it out 
But can Desmond Bain, can Zaire Williams, can DeAnthony Melton, all of our wing players, can Dylan Brooks hit threes? Can they hit open threes? And if they can't, which right now we're 24th in three-point percentage, and we're 24th in three-point attempts, if they can't, I think we could be in some trouble. Now, the last thing I'll say is we have John Morant, and he could very well be the best player in a series for the first two rounds. And that's, in the NBA, a lot of times, an ultimate trump card. So, it's going to be very dicey, and I cannot wait to see. And I, I just, the whole thing with John, too, this, like, teams are hunting in on him every game. And he's he's still finding ways to put up 50. So, like, I I I hear you on, on the slowing down piece. I do think that that's a valid concern, how we adjust to that. That pace is going to be interesting. Can we get teams to try to play our game at times to speed things up? Um, I think that's, you know, part of just, like, coaching strategy. I, Jaw's going to find a way to get his points. And I, you're setting up some future topics, I think, um, for us to really dive into later in terms of like who we can depend on to be role players and support Ja. Um, because I do, th- I, th- to me, that's the biggest thing that will have impact on what this front office does in the next two years. This, this playoff season. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I like that. That's a great thought. Um, it's there. We've talked about this so much um, with the Grizzlies of, you have to look at how we do things and how we approach our team building from a 30,000 foot view, not like right at it. And a lot of teams see our success and see what we do in the playoffs as an immediate, you know, win or lose type situation with how it ends. If we lose in the first round, the majority of like, people would be like, oh, that's a that's a bad season from Memphis. And I would disagree. I mean, yeah, it would be obviously in the moment, but at the same time, like, we are seeing what works and we're seeing what fits. And that, like, we are still, like, building and building and building. We're at the beginning of our window. Yes. And our window could last a decade. It could last three years. I don't know. But as long as Jaws on our team, our window is open. And I truly think Jaws only going to get better. Um. One thing I wanted to mention about playoff ball is, yes, it slows down, um, but I feel like defense is pretty important in the playoffs too. And we're eighth in defensive rating. I think, Will, you might have mentioned this earlier. It's in our notes. I didn't just remember that, obviously. We're fifth in offensive rating, eighth in defensive rating, which kind of shows me like, hey, we might be able to like win multiple ways, which in the playoffs can be extremely important. If you are a one-dimensional team, you're going to struggle because coaches are smart and players are good and they're going to take advantage of your weakness and just drill you on it constantly. Look at the Knicks last season. They Not had only, Julius Randle. That's a great example. But my big thing is look at Rudy Gobert. People would argue the greatest defender in the league, maybe well, of one of the time, best defenders sure. yeah. in the last decade. Every year in the playoffs, he gets picked apart because he has an incredible glaring weakness and they just kill him for it every year. And they haven't made it past the second round since he's been there. So my point is, if we can shift and mold of how we do things, and I think Ja allows us to do that, I want all you listeners out there, next time it's a tight game, watch what we do when in the fourth quarter. We slow it down. We give Ja the ball. We run a high pick and roll and let him just go to work. It's the same thing Dallas does with Luka. Yes, throughout the whole game we're not doing that, but when the game slows down, when the game gets tight, we give Jaw the ball, we slow it down, it turns into a half-court game, and we just let him make a play. And nine times out of ten, it worked. whether we make the shot or not, he, it, it works out. The play ends up as a good play. So I'm encouraged by the non-fast break stuff like you mentioned. Yes, we are really athletic, we're young, we get out and run, which is awesome. But I think we have one of the best defenders in the league in Jaron who can protect the paint, defend. We can do a lot of different ways. If we're playing Jokic, we got Steven Adams to bang down low. If a team tries to go small, we can play trip at the five, BC at the four, opens things up tremendously. I think Dylan on the perimeter can hang with most creators in the league, which is going to be awesome to get back. I just think we can do it a lot of different ways, and I think that's important in the playoffs too. Okay, so do y'all think 
that based on our remaining schedule that we end up number two. We have to very much take advantage of the first half of the rest of our schedule. We have 15 games left. Should I just, should I, should I go through them? Yeah, yeah. Should I read them off? That was what we would call a tee up. <laughs> I don't want to bore, I don't want to bore the listeners, but well, I, you don't have to go through I all thought that I picked up the tee uh, and was going to hit it. Uh, next, next game. Then we're at Thunder, at Pacers, at Hawks, at Rockets. That should be 5-0. and TBH. Although we didn't take care of business against the Rockets recently. Four on the road. Revenge game at Houston. All right. Then it gets interesting. Home against the Nets. Home against the Pacers. Trap game. Trap uh, game. Then, I mean, Bucks and Warriors at Spurs. Home for Suns, at Jazz, at Nuggets, home for Pelicans, home for Celtics. Sheesh. That's a stretch. And, um, I mean, right now, the thing says we're 24th ranked strength of schedule. Let's give it five games and then recheck it. Because I think the last, like, ten or so will be up in the top ten. I have to imagine. Um, With other teams, like the Warriors, the Jazz, the Nuggets and the Celtics, who are all going to be jockeying for playoff position. So, I mean, I think there's a fine chance. I don't think the Warriors without Draymond are necessarily going to be like heavily favored every night. I think probably against two thirds of the league, they might be be favored. But I mean, I don't see them as like a juggernaut that we're having to really try and pass. I think, if anything, we're in the driver's Listen seat. Listen to the Warriors' schedule real quickly, just for comparison. Nugs, Bucks, Wiz, Celtics, Spurs, Magic, Heat, Hawks, Wiz, Us, Suns, Jazz, Kings, Lakers, Spurs, Pels. That seems a lot easier it than ours. It seems a lot easier. It seems like there's a few key, key games in there that they can zero in on, and then the rest they're going to be able to... They get the Wiz twice and the Magic. And yeah. the Spur. Yeah, that, I don't. Pelicans. Plus too. the Kings and the Pels. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be super interesting. And I think they're, they're, I mean, people aren't stupid. They realize the two seed is going to be exceedingly more valuable than the three this year. But the so. Warriors are saying they don't care. I mean, that's what Steph is saying. That's true. I hope they don't care. I hope they mean it. That would make it a lot easier for us. Okay, can we? You mentioned Dylan. I think that is a really important thing to talk about because obviously there are times in this stretch of games that we just played in the last two, three weeks. There, there are games where we wish we had Dylan Brooks to just throw in there. He's going to bring the energy no matter the night on the defensive end, uh, especially in some of these games when the teams have just like been on fire, uh, like last night. Obviously, it wasn't an issue because we were just beating the brakes off the Pelicans, which felt so good. But C.J. McCollum went off, notorious Grizz killer. Still and waiting on those rankings. <laughs> I knew it was going to come come up. Uh, but Dylan would have been a great person to just throw in and just like be like, all right, try to slow him down a little bit. However, the question mark is on the offensive end because he has, an, ever since he's been on the team, he's been in the top two in field goal attempts per game. What do we make of the Dylan Brooks return? How do we feel like it's going to integrate? Are we worried? Have they given us a timetable? He should. They mentioned on the broadcast last night that next week is the estimated time for him to come back. <sighs> so I have a thought. Um, thought number one is our best perimeter defender without him on the floor who's getting the number one assignments recently is Zaire Williams, who love the potential of the guy, but not necessarily your perimeter lockdown defender. So I think just by adding Dylan to just guard the other team's best perimeter player is going to be massive. Another thought I have is substitutions. So usually the first subs of the game, Bain and Jaron both go out. And then Josh stays in for a longer period of time. Steven Adams stays in for a longer period of time. I think that may turn into Dylan and Jaron. I think Dylan's going to start when he comes back. We can talk about that in a second if y'all disagree. 
I think what could move the move that could happen is Dylan and Jaron go out, and then when Ja goes to the bench, Dylan and Jaron are the two guys that come back in to kind of like run your second ish unit offense. I think that allows. Dylan to kind of create a little bit, get his shots up a little bit, play with Jaron a little bit. That allows Bain to stay in, feed off of Ja. I just think that's an interesting thing to think about because that has been the substitutions for a very long time as Bain and Tripp both go out, first subs out of the game. I think that could be an interesting little wrinkle if that turns into Dylan and Tripp and then they come back in together with a second unit heavy lineup and that lets Dylan kind of do his thing offensively. Y'all may disagree 100%. I don't know. I don't disagree at all. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they would continue to... If they if they truly flip Bain and Dylan in that substitution, or if Bain happens to also go to the bench and they bring in more uh, like Melton or somebody for him. But I, I would hope not. Uh I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I am worried. I mean, frankly, I think that we've kind of gotten into a rhythm. I, however, previewing our later segment, trust Dylan a lot in the playoffs until he proves me otherwise. Offensively? I trust him to realize where he needs to commit his energy in the playoffs. And I am hoping that that will translate to the correct uh, pecking order on the offensive end. Um, He seems to be in full support of everything going on with the team right now, but it's a question mark for sure. I don't know. I mean, we saw this last year, and they're they're obviously different players, but we saw it last year with Tripp and him coming back towards the end of the playoffs. Uh, I mean, it it just didn't look like it was just moving correctly. And I think that's just like one of the things that's just been well documented about this team is it's chemistry on and off the court. And I think that on the court chemistry piece is going to be, there's just no way that whether it's 13 games, I think we, I think we would be doing chemistry and injustice, injustice if we said that Dylan's just going to step right back in and be himself and fit in with the team. Not that I'm saying that that's what y'all are saying, but that's where my reluctance is. And based on who Dylan is, there's no way that I just can assume that he's just going to snap back into this role that he was. Maybe he maybe he will in the playoffs and be like, look, dude, your role is just to be locked down and get easy buckets. Great. If, the, if like, I – I will have to really change my tune on his attitude if that's what they do. But at the same time, we can't just let him come in and, and get a shot back and cook. We have to win these games. And he has been well-documented in his ability to be Dylan and, and shoot us out of some games. And, like, he's going to be taking shots away from even though our, our true sh- – I mean, like, what I would imagine on that second unit scenario – He's taking shots away from guys like Tyus, Bain at times, Zaire, who's had decent. Um, he's had he's picked his spots okay for sure, and that's just the concern is that his he his aggressiveness would take away some of from some of our efficiency in the second unit. So I don't know. I I'm I'm almost I was almost hoping that they just would just let him ride it out. The interesting part of this now, this season, as opposed to last year, is last year we were frustrated still at Dylan, especially in the regular season, because of his efficiency or lack thereof. However, there weren't necessarily the guys on the team who we were saying, you know, these guys need to get their shots because Bain hadn't developed fully yet. Jonas and Ja were the only two on the team that really had a high usage in terms of field goals attempted. Jaron was hurt a bunch. Yeah. Uh, he was a question mark. So, I mean, Dylan kind of filled that role. This year, with the emergence of Bain, the development of Zaire Williams, Jaron stepping into a major role, um, Stephen Adams, I mean, 
He's going to be your ultimate cleanup guy. Does not need the ball. Doesn't want to shoot. Um, but, I mean, he's still in the offense. He's still going to clean up. And then Ja taking this leap in terms of scoring. It There is, a, I mean, there's not enough oxygen there for yeah. everybody to breathe as much as Dylan was taking up that oxygen. So, And this is not going to happen. But if you told me he gets Melton's minutes in the playoffs, I would pick Brooks over Melton. 100%. Easy. Yeah, I think it's a tricky thing because if I were to ask y'all, think back last year in the Utah series, who was our top two players in that series? You would say John, John Dillon, Dillon. Right? Like, Dillon was there for it. He couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. But to Brantley's point, which kind of makes me a little nervous, is whose spot is he taking right now in the right. lineup? He's taking Zaire's spot in the starting lineup. Zaire is very—he is the epitome of staying within himself. It's amazing. He takes corner threes, hits a lot of them, runs the floor crazy well, and doesn't do anything stupid ever. He just is a smart role-playing basketball player. And you see the value in that with a guy playing off job. Like, just do the little things well, and you're going to succeed. It's a trade-off. And to Branley's point, like, do, can Dylan do that? Mm-mm. I don't know. I would bet a, my pinky fingernail that he can't because he's just never shown it. He is Dylan. He will always be Dylan. And sometimes that's awesome. Sometimes it's not. But I, t- I think to assume that he's going to come in and do something different than what he's always done is just not plausible. And think back to last year. Like, we were clamoring for Triple J to be in the starting lineup. And it it took a little bit, right? Or did they just immediately insert They immediately him? did it, but his minutes was restricted. Yeah, they but, were, he was in the starting lineup in the playoffs. But Tripp, um, he didn't look. He had flashes of moments where he looked fine, but there were some where he's like, "Yeah, this guy hadn't played in a year." I just am right. misremembering for some reason. I thought they didn't put him right back in the starting. I, I think it would be a grave mistake to immediately insert Dylan back into the starting lineup. Period. I think they'll work him back in, but I think that you'll see probably by the Nets game that he is fully in. The I think the lineup. first game he's available. I think he starts. You think yep. even with the minutes, I do. I think I, I think, think Zaire like immediately moves back to the second unit, and I think Dylan starts. Well, his minutes may be restricted, but yeah. I think he starts. Should we talk about our trust rankings? Because I feel like this is our a playoff trust natural, rankings. Yeah. yeah, 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 natural uh, correlation to the conversation we're having right now, because it's about playoffs. All right, let's start. Should we go one by one? Or should we... Yeah, let's do it. All right, number one, do we all agree? Ja Morant? I was going to say conch, but I mean, I guess not. I'm just kidding. Ja Morant, number one. Oh, we're doing orders this way. I did mine a little different, but you keep going. Oh, you did tears. Okay, yeah. Tears are fun. Tears are fun. Can we do my tears really quick? Big tier guy. I did definitely trust. This is in the role that they're asked to play, potentially in the playoffs. Oh, I love that. That's important. Definitely trust Ja Adams... Bane, Tyus, Kyle. Explain their roles. Ja, uh, MVP, Adams, Bone Crusher, Tyus, spot minutes for Ja, hit a couple big shots when needed. Kyle, defender, hit some shots, be a playmaker off of the lineup if needed. Bane, to hit shots. He showed it, his will to be able to do it in the playoffs last year, and he wasn't great, but I think he'll really show it this year. I agree 100%. Next tier is the emoji, emoji with, like, the side smile. Like, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, Dylan, because I, like, want to trust him for what he did. This is me giving him, like, just is uncomfortable. I just don't know. And I think his role could be miscast in BC because, like, what are Ooh. Jekyll and Hyde? I don't know. I kind of want to trust him based on what he's done this year to give some spot mo- minutes and run the court. There's a big name that hasn't been mentioned um, yet. Uh, yeah, I know. The next category is prove it, and I have three players in this category, and that's Trip, Zaire, and Conch. Look. <laughs> okay, they're not all the same. Their roles are different. Trip has got to prove he can be a potential number two, number three in the playoffs. I, I, like, 
I think we have to have some serious window type discussions about Trip if he can't at a minimum be our third scorer in these playoffs. He's going to be our defensive anchor hopefully and not get in foul trouble, but we need I'm not even talking about hitting outside shots, but he's got to be our third scorer at a minimum. And if he's not it's man it's it just is going to be a really tough conversation. He's coming off of a uh, game last night where he was plus 47, plus minus. Second most in Grizzlies history. But, I mean, that is we irrelevant need to scoring, this discussion. Though. We need him no, to score. No, I know. Score. Exactly. He had 22. Looked great. Um, Ty, did you do tears? I know you thought a lot about this And question. Melton was in my nope category. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then everybody else after that. That's irrelevant. I... I did not do tier. I like the way Brantley prefaced it as in like, you know, specific roles for each player because that's incredibly important, right? You don't expect a guy to be something he's not. Um, I mean, I think Trip. you're right, man. Trip is the – if he comes out and is just like nuts, I think we could like make a serious run. Like, if he shoots 35% from three, taking people off the dribble, like, be able to play the small ball five and just, like, really take advantage of those lineups. I think, yeah, I think that could be, like, huge. He's our Draymond. It's, it's, he's crazy important. Different roles. Different role, yeah, yeah, but crazy important for what we're doing. I will say this, regardless of, like, actual performance, it's this kind of lines up with the Dylan thing too. Like regardless of how like tech, like quote unquote, well they play. I know that they are also like here for it though. Like I've never seen Jaron like afraid of the moment. Like he may miss a shot, but he's taking it like 10 times out of 10. If it's kicked out to him, that dude is letting it fly unafraid. Right. Yeah. But we're past that with him. Maybe so. Maybe so. But Dylan's same way. Dylan is going to face guard Steph until his face falls off. Like, he is there for every moment. There are some <laughs> there's some players that are not there for the moment. Like who? So far, from the data that we've been able to accumulate, Melton has just not been there for the moment. We are out on DeAnthony Melton in this podcast. I think Bain has also reason. been there for the moment. 100%. Kind of to my point, wrapping it up, going to be this. I hope Jenkins is there for the moment. Ooh, sick. What does that mean? I think he's there. What I mean by he's that there. is. For sure. <laughs> get your eight guys and play them. Ah, you you got to think he's going to. Find your eight guys. Mm-hmm. Play the eight guys you trust. All right, so who are you leaving out? And roll with it. Who, who Who's not in the eight? I think it's matchup dependent. I don't think every series it would be the same, and I think that's a great place to be. That's true. I think BC can be awesome in certain lineups. I think he could be really poor in others. I think that's a guy that matchup dependent could work really well. He's your utility. I think Kyle may be similar, but I think Kyle's going to play. I think Tyus is going to play his 8 to 10 minutes regardless. Zaire, I mean, I don't know. It's a huge question mark for playoff basketball. Yeah, I think he's he come in play. and give you eight to ten minutes. I'm, I think he will too. Is I my think, point being yeah. about Jenkins, Conchar, similar situation. Probably not. Melton is going to get his eight to twelve as well. No, he's not. I think so. I, I think so. I think Jenkins has. You just to, listed all twelve of our players. <laughs> my point That's being, true. I think Jenkins is going to play all of them. I think he's going to basically stick with a nine to ten man rotation, and I think there's going to be six, seven, eight minutes here to Zaire, regardless of situation, Conchar, regardless of situation. I think it's going to happen, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he takes this playoff run. Extremely For the record, seriously. you're saying it shouldn't be that way. Correct. Yeah, I think he should find his eight, stick to his eight, play his eight, and I'm not saying that's the same eight every series, but I think he should find his guys matchup dependent. Know what works well, 
plays off that, rolls with it, and that's that's just his guys. I don't know if he's going to do that, but I think to kind of what we've talked about before, the value of seeing this roster, seeing guys in certain playoff situations, Will, you've been like king of this since last year. Would we have known – would we feel the same about Melton today without that playoff series? Maybe not. But we do feel that way now because we saw it. Same with Dylan. Same with Bain. Bain hit that shot and George Niang's face held the pose. Sickest photo of all time. Ever. Yeah, yeah. But that had to happen, right? Like, we had to be in the situation where that happened. Totally. Uh, I just looked back at the Jazz series. There were 10 players that played. In all but one of the games. However. The one the, we won. <laughs> the, no. And that one, so the the average was about 10 to 12 minutes combined of the ninth and 10th men in terms of minutes. So 10 like, minutes it was like swing a game in a heartbeat. Six. The, just saying, however, 10 minutes is a huge deal. When the Jazz were up, I guess it was 2-1, to one, that fourth game... He played nine, and the ninth man played four minutes. So he shortened it to an eight for that specific game. And that was the one, if you remember, that it was like down to the wire. Great game. And they just hit a couple shots, and we missed a couple. Yeah. 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 I would say that, like, I am comfortable it not being by series, but being per game eight players. Because I would hope that, like, I mean, there's been coaches, like Tyloo did this right against the Jazz last year, where he made some adjustments, and that's what won them the series. Totally. And he would shorten his rotation and had lineup shifts to figure it out. That's what I want to see from Jenkins. Is maybe you try it and it works a couple games, cool, but then eventually you've got to shrink it and shorten shorten it. Here's the thing for me. So I'll go through sort of how and I rankings. about the rankings. Yeah. Because I should have probably done your system, Brantley, because it makes a whole lot of sense. My rankings would be differently if I did the tiers because there are a couple guys that I ranked lower, but I definitely trust them. The problem is I ranked it in terms of either if you're at the very top, it's like rock solid trust. You're just like 100% in your role, like no questions asked at all. And as I got further down, I'm like, what is your stealing in terms of like how you can impact the game? There are only two guys that I'm like 100%, no matter what, they're in their role. And it's Ja and it's Steven Adams. Like those are literally the two players that I'm like, I don't see you changing anything about your game. You know exactly what it is. Um, the next one is Desmond Bain. I'm just like, he's going to play. He's going to be awesome. If he's not shooting well, he's going to find other ways to impact the game. And even if he's not shooting well, everybody would say, take the next one. Like, we're not scared of him taking any shots. He's third yeah. for me. Fourth is Dylan. Because I know he's going to be ready. And I think that defensively, it's going to be so important to have him in the game. And I'm going to now err on the side of trusting him until he breaks that for the playoffs. That's a little, maybe a little that's controversial. So, that's so sweet of you. Fifth is Jaron. <laughs> Fifth is Jaron. It's it's wild that Trip is this far down the line because of his defense. I think that he does have a prove it mindset. Like he would be in the prove it tier for me easily. I think that, however, he has shown to me this season he is in the defensive player of the year conversation. If you look at advanced stats, he's phenomenal on defense. It's amazing when he is out of the game how much of a holder is. Like, we cannot stop anyone unless he's in the game. And especially with Dylan being hurt. Like, you're getting no perimeter defense, and when people are getting by John Bain, there's no one at the rim. And Adams is, like, average as a rim protector, but he's not Jaron Jackson. So I have Jaron fifth. Kyle and Tyus, to me, are just, honestly, I mean, Kyle and Tyus are in their own tier in this, but then BC after that. And then I have Tillman and Conchar in just like, you're going to throw Tillman, him in. Tillman, who hadn't played in two months. I still, though, I mean, like, again, with a guy who performed well in the playoffs, I'm like, except for the very last game. Um, and and then Melton is below them. And Zaire, too. I'm, I love Zaire. I'm 
like optimistic about his future. However, I am very much looking forward to him getting his reps in the playoffs if he gets them. But if he doesn't play, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm really not. I just don't think he's going to have the... Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit deer in the headlights, and I hope I'm wrong. That's my prediction, though. Which is fine. You're a rookie in the playoffs, and you're a two seed. Like, of course. Yeah. So, um, but I agree. I think one thing that's going to be really interesting that we haven't touched on yet is the role that Adams might play in the matchup-dependent uh, scenarios. Because, I mean, could it be that Jaron starts at the five ever in the playoffs? You don't think? You don't if think there's play, a matchup where Jaron starts at the five? If we played the T-Wolves, he wouldn't start against Cat at the five, would he? Jaron? Yeah. I mean, I would guess that we'd probably roll with our normal starting lineup, which is fine. I don't, I'm just asking the question. I think it's, I mean, is there going to be a scenario where Adams is our guy that's like, how much can you play him? Especially with free throws. It's a good thought. I don't know. About the free throw thing. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have answers. I have questions. I just, I'll say this, like we're kind of back to what I was saying earlier, regardless of whether they perform, I feel like we got a lot of like, we got a lot of dogs. We got a lot of dudes who aren't afraid. And I just never forget when jaw hit that like floater against golden state to basically like seal the play in win. He like looked at Dylan and was like, I'm a mother effing dog. Like, that's the greatest thing. It's in of like all every time. Grizzlies promo, too. It's no, so it's great. Amazing. As it should be. But we have like a lot of, like, that's been talked about this Grizzlies team all year long about how Bane basically like looked at LeBron and was like, I'm not afraid of those footsteps. Like, we have guys on our team that just simply aren't afraid. And I think being in this position as like a two seed as maybe not like quote unquote necessarily a favorite, but like the higher seed, I like can't wait to see the mentality and just like the way we take the floor. Cause I think it's going to be like a commanding, like, no, 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 no. Like, like we are the team. Like we're not like the play in, we fought hard and we made it. Now we're the eight seed. Now like we're the two seed. Now we have Ja, who's top five in the MVP candidacy, top 10 player in the entire NBA. Like we're we're ready. Like like let's go, and I think we're gonna like feed off all of that. And I hope that like our entire team. I mean, as of this year, like we've all taken on that personality. Jenkins even takes on that personality. And I think I hope in the playoffs this year, like we everything just flips, and now we're like no, like we are like like you got to come come beat us. Like we're the team. And I'm, I just can't wait to see how, like, all of that, like, shifts our perspective because our perspective has changed a ton from last year. And I hope we, like, like accept that and take that into the playoffs regardless of who we play. Like, I hope we look across at Jokic, and I hope Jaws like, nah, dude, like, I'm the best player on this floor. And I honestly think, like, he's going to think that way. I think, like, if we play Golden State, I think, like, I hope Jaron, like, looks at Draymond and be like, dude, I got three inches on you. Let's go to the paint right now. Like, I just want to see that. And I think, like, they've proven enough to – I believe that that's how they think. And I think that's crazy important for, like, playoff games is, like, your perspective and how you view yourself. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Thanks, Ty. Let's go. <laughs> All right, should we go rapid fire now? We're in this – uh the yeah. last few minutes of the pod. Let's talk about... Um, thanks for hanging in there. Yeah, thanks, guys. Let's talk about the awards season. Let's go through some odds. Jaws been talked about a lot. Wait, we're skipping Chandler Parsons segment? <laughs> That's if we... JK. Uh, That's really, called a close. <laughs> if we really have time at the end, there's a little Chandler Parsons uh, segment that we have ready to go uh, in the tank if we need it. Awards odds right now Embiid favored. He's got minus odds depending on the sports book you uh, responsibly gamble with. Jokic is second. Um, they're basically neck and neck. And then after that, you have Giannis, Giannis Ja, and DeRozan. What are the odds that Ja Morant can sneak into that conversation in this last 15 games? Do y'all see it happening? I don't think so. Me neither. No. Okay. I think he will be in top five voting, which I think is incredible. And counts. That matters. Right now, Ja is like 
I mean, a runaway for the most improved, which he is not happy about, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's funny. Miles Bridges is second in that, which I thought was pretty I think I placed a bet on Ja for most improved player. Continue. Like an actual bet? Yeah. I think how, I used how about it? I remember a little Ben Simmons talk from Tubbs. Oh, we hey, that's that that's happened. coming up. Don't 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 bring that <laughs> shit up. If you were if you were with us at the beginning of the season, we did a very fun portfolio of NBA futures. I think I had Embiid for MVP that we're going to go through in just a few minutes, Ty. And you might you might very well be correct. <laughs> yeah, listen, I put I put John Morant, I put ten bucks on John Morant to be most improved player Ooh, back nice. in October eleventh. Um, plus three three thousand. Oh, love it! Let's go. Share those. Rolling in the deep. I'm about to get get some DraftKings money. Man, you're gonna cash out all at once or keep it rolling? It won't let me cash it out. I I placed a little future on uh, Grizzlies Heat Finals. Oh, what was that? It was like sixty four to one. Ah, Claude McRoberts. Oh yeah, shout out twelve. If you listen. I All right, and coach, wait for that. coach of the year, um, Monty Williams is minus 300. <clears throat> J.B. Bickerstaff. Didn't Monty win it last second. year, though? No. Who, didn't, who won it last year? Um, this is a great trivia question. Is it, was it Quinn Snyder? Budenholz? No. Butter Quinn, one of the two. I don't remember. Okay. That's a great. But it was not Monty Williams. It was not okay. Monty. Okay. He was in the running. Makeup call. He'll probably get it this Taylor year. Taylor Jenkins was third. So I mean, we oh, Bain, by the way, is eighty to one for MIP. Unfortunately, mm. he's you know, but it's fun. We have Grizzlies and major I made a award trip conversations. MIP bet, and that's not you did great. Yeah, um, let's look at let's look at these bets. By the way, let's see. So Talk what I did beginning of the season bets. These are beginning of the season bets, which we had. I believe it was a thousand dollars. To spread around to ten, ten different bets, um, and so I'm going to go through our bets very quickly. Oh, and I've kind of basically uh, classified it by what are very likely could happen or not going to happen. So we'll start with Brantley. First bet of the day in that podcast was Ben Simmons for most improved. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to go ahead and say that might not happen. Zero. Uh, yeah. Grizz season though, you took the over. That's Damn straight up. Hardy basically hitting in that. Suggs rookie of the year, not gonna happen. Not good. You had three different bets that involved the Lakers in the finals. That's also not good. <laughs> I did not put a complete scratch off on those, but they're no, not looking likely. Golden State over. Um they're trending in that direction. Miami over. I believe they are close, if not already hit that. Minnesota under. Brantley, you and I both had this. They've gone over. Mm. And then Giannis MVP. That's not a bad bet. So that's in the neutral category. Um, right now, let's just say all of your likely bets were to hit. You'd win $983. You risked 1000 So you'd basically be even there. Um, but if your Giannis bet hits, you're way over. So we'll see. you got to be cheering for Giannis, I guess. Ty, you're looking Simmons. really good. Simmons. Real nice. Should have so, put a few cents on this. You have a Brooklyn Golden State Finals, which not I looking mean, great. Could happen. No. Phoenix to win the division. That is looking very likely. You and a I lot. both had this. Um, Charlotte to make the playoffs. It's an iffy bet. There we'll see. New York Knicks to miss the playoffs. That's looking favorite bet likely. I made right there. Loved it. Jalen Green, Rookie of the Year. You you and I both had this. Yeah, that's not, not looking happen. great. Raptors to make the playoffs. They're the seventh seed right now. Love so, it. Uh, Patty Mills, Sixth Man of the Year. Terrible bet. Joel Embiid, MVP. This is great. one that's insanely interesting. Um, so, good on Utah. Grizz to make playoffs. That's locked in. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., most improved. Probably not going to happen. Mm. All right. Mine was ugly. <laughs> I have both the Atlantic and Pacific divisions to win the finals. So if Brooklyn, Sixers, Suns, or Warriors win the finals, I win one of those two. Feeling okay. It's neutral. Phoenix to win the division. Uh, I got that one, and then the rest are just... I Denver over 47.5. That could still happen. Clippers to miss the playoffs could very well still happen. The rest are just ugly. Minnesota under. They've already gone over. Jalen Green, Rookie of the Year. Nope. KD MVP, Steve Nash, Coach of the Year. <laughs> 
James Harden MVP, my favorite bet of the, of the night. Uh, not going to happen there. So, so basically it's Ty for the most part, and then you and me are are fighting each other for deadline. We're fighting for, for either second fight. or last, uh, depending on, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever happens. But Ty is firmly in the lead there. So take your betting advice from Ty Smith. Uh, Dr. Smith should have listened. All right. Where do we want to end? To real life betting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted to mention just a few records that we've already broken this season. Uh, the most wins in the season for the Grizzlies is 56. Right now we're on pace for 54 according to 538. However, if we only lose three games out of the 15 remaining, we will break the record. So, you know, this will be, I would say, probably in the top two or three teams ever in terms of record for the Grizzlies with a chance to break that record. So we need 57 wins. Uh, Not likely, but possible. Okay, most points in a uh, in a game by the team. They set that record this season against OKC, one fifty two. Most game points in a game by a player. Jaw, of course, fifty two the other night against the Spurs, which was glorious. Highest plus minus ever for the Grizzlies and in the NBA. <laughs> Santi Aldama uh, plus fifty two. Jaron just literally set the second um, most uh, last night, plus forty seven. Most fast break points in a game last night, 42. Highest three-point field goal percentage in Grizzlies franchise history is Besson Bain right now. Which is wild because I feel like he's been like cold the last like He's month. been cold. But, but he hasn't, clearly. He has laid a solid foundation so that he can have some cold streaks. I guess so. 42.1%. Highest field goal percentage in franchise history right now, Brandon Clark, 58.8. Not bad. Highest points per game. Franchise history, Jaws currently at 21.1. Uh, and then finally, offensive rating. I had to include this He's one. had to. John Conchar has the highest average offensive rating in franchise history at 129.2. Play that man. Mm. That's my message to Coach Jenkins. I'll say this about BC. We haven't really talked about him much. We kind of maybe a negative light matchup dependent playoff stuff. He's been great. He has stayed within his lane, back to rookie BC, floater just king. Can't miss the little little two like he's great at the bunny hop floater. step floater. Yeah, it's so great. He like dribble dribble then just jumps as high as he possibly can and just floats it in. It's been great. Yes, um, he hasn't taken like a jumper. I don't remember the last. He took one like a few nights ago. And I was like, oh, I think he airballed it. Back kinda, paint. He just knows his thing, and it's been awesome to see, and he's succeeding in his role. Really proud of him. It really has been great to watch, and I think he's perfect for this team. I will say he is lower on my trust rankings. He would have been higher. I'm high on BC, obviously. obviously. Listeners know. Listeners know. However, he is the ideal transition player. Like, if you're looking for a big who can run up and down, he is your guy. He will keep plays alive, offensive rebounds. He will tip in. He'll clean it up. He'll do all the little things. However, half-court offense, I'm worried a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. I have hope. Um, Okay, any other final thoughts before I end the podcast here with a little um, promo that we have on our website? Let's do it. All right, guys. I can't stress it enough. You need to go to grizzden.com and check out the new collection. I can feel the stress. I cannot stress the stress it enough. stress is strong. I feel like we need to lead with this. Can you just edit this and move it to the very top? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have an intro. You've already heard it if you're listening to this podcast. Okay, I'm going to intro this pod because shout out Mary Evelyn who uh, took Brantley's concept, brought it to life. It is Air Jaw, the collection. We've got hats. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got polos with the logo that is about to sweep the city. Request a mug and we'll do it because I want one. And the nation. You will see what I'm talking about if you go to grizzden.com. You are not going to want to miss this. Um, It is an incredible collection of merchandise. Features... 
a silhouette of John Morant dunking on Yaka Pirtle. If you know, you know. So go to grizzden.com, shop all the merch, wear it to the games, tell your friends about it, tell your family about it, tell strangers, <laughs> because this is great. Um, all right, anything else that we missed? Where do we finish? Regular season, go. Like in terms of seeding or yeah, record? seeding. We are going to be the two seed in okay. the Western Conference, and we're going to play the Minnesota Timberwolves in okay. the playoffs, and we're going to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves four games to one. Okay, and then what? And then we're going to play the Golden State Warriors in the second round, and it's going to go seven. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you who's going to win. Well, that's lame. Tell Tune into the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Gut reaction, 15-ish games left. What do you think? Uh, before I read out the Warriors schedule, I would have said we were the second seed. But I don't know. For some reason, I just have a feeling that we're going to be like half game back and end up in the third mm. seed and have a really difficult first round matchup against the Nugs or the um, Mavs. Mavs. How far do you think we make it? Playoffs. From just today. Like, what do you think today? Uh, I think I really think we'll make it out of the first round. But I would be really nervous about that if we f- have a first round matchup against the Mavs. Hmm. What team scares y'all the most in the first round? Brantley, probably Mavs. Yeah. yeah. Mavs would be really tough. Realis- yes. Realistically, obviously, like Phoenix, of course, but like realistically. The Dallas imagine. Mavericks scare me the most. Scare you the most. Okay. Yes. The Nuggets, we've played well against them. Mavericks, we have not. For that reason, I like I'm it. out. Uh, Ty, what about you? I think we finished two seed. Um, I think we play the Clippers because I think they're going to win the 7-8. And I think we beat the Clippers in six. And I think we do a knockdown drag out series um, against Golden State. And I'm kind of like you. I don't know. I think it's going to go seven, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Here's I think home court's important. Here's what I'm going to say: continue building your savings for finals tickets. That's right. That's totally. what I'm going to say. I do think we can beat Golden State though in a playoff series. I, do I really too. do. They are vulnerable. They're very vulnerable. I believe. All right. We've rambled a little bit at the end of this podcast, but it has been a blast. We are so happy to be back again, and we are just gearing up. We're resting right now for the playoffs. We're taking it easy, uh, and we're going to gear up for the playoffs because we are expecting uh, expecting a lot of games. Pandemonium in Memphis. Um. Yeah, tickets are already hard to get right now in the end of the regular season. I can't imagine the playoffs. So playoffs will be so sick. It's gonna be nuts. Go to grizzden.com. Thanks for hanging with us for Ty Brantley and Will. Buy our tees. Tune in next time.